If you are not a member of Celebration Church, or this is not what you call your church, you're here simply today to hear me speak. I uh, want to encourage you to come back and and enjoy the ministry of Brandon and Krista Clark. I have a few men, maybe 50, that I have personally trained in ministry, all out there in ministry, many of them pastoring churches today. Uh, But I have a, a smaller group that are next to my heart and who really uh, <clears throat> actually have several people in this town who are pastoring churches that uh, I mentored but there's there are very few like Brandon that um, that are very close to me and that I uh, that I appreciate like I appreciate a son and so if you get an opportunity to come back or if you're looking for a church this is really a great church please please do not judge this church by what you hear me say Come back and give them another shot. I want to talk to you today about the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, our best friend. He develops fruit in us. He uh, is in your life to bring glory to God. He is in your life to bring glory to God. And one of the biggest ways it brings glory to God is when fruit is developed in you. That is some produce. You go to the grocery store, they have fruit. It's in the produce section. So the, the Holy Spirit has products. Now, don't think of it as fruit as in oranges and apples and such. It's, it's the fruit of the Spirit, and it tells us exactly what those are. And I'd like to read the entire passage, if we may, beginning in Galatians chapter 5 with verse 16. Verse 16 says, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I don't know if we're up here or not. For the flesh lusts or desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that we cannot do the things that, that, that we would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Come on, why don't all of the believers in the house say, I am not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, that is, they're obvious, which are these. Of the which I tell you before, as I've, uh, well, let me just go ahead and read them. Adultery, you thought, you was hoping I, were you hoping I would just skip them? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've told you also in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Then, the next verse, I have notes in here in this. Next verse is, what verse? 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Now, just make this quick commentary. Did you notice that the first list had 17 items, and then at the end it said, and such like, meaning that there were more. He listed 17 and apparently wore himself out. Said, well, just anything that looks like that. (laughs) Right? Anything that looks like that. Meaning it's really pretty much an endless list. There is no end to what men can dream up and what the devil can dream up to be perverse, to be against God. That's terrible, isn't it? But it says, but the the fruit of the Spirit are these. And and it lists nine. Was Jesus right when he said, broad is the way to destruction? I mean, it's a nine-lane freeway, but still, it's... 
Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Verse 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. I want everyone to say, have crucified the flesh. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Then on down, it says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Father, give us a supernatural economy of time here today to be able to transfer these truths from the pages of Holy Writ to the tablets of the hearts of every person here. I ask this and believe for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We have to think along several levels when you're walking in the Spirit. How many of you know that when you got born again, you did not immediately start walking in the Spirit? Did you notice that verse 25? If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. But most Christians live like an American beggar. You understand what I'm getting at? I mean, like an American beggar. Is he a citizen of the United States? Was he born here? I mean, if he was born here, he might even be the president. That is, if he was actually born here. Then, then you, and, and he could be the president. If he, but he might be a beggar with a sign in a bucket. Might be living like a beggar with a sign in a bucket. Did you hear what I said? Is he an American citizen? Of course, he's an American citizen. He lives here. He's just not walking like it. The way he lives, not that he lives, but the way he lives doesn't show that he's an American. It shows that he's a citizen of the world. See, believers all have opportunity to walk in the Spirit because we're commanded to. It means we can. You have the opportunity to walk in the Spirit because you live in the Spirit. There's no chance to walk in the Spirit if you're not already living in it. When you're born again, you are alive to God in the Spirit. You are alive to God in the Spirit. But you have a choice about how you're going to live it. You have a choice about the way you live it. Your walk in the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, or if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. He said here, this I say then, verse 16, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You might want flesh. You might want to write this down. Victory over the flesh comes as you walk in the Spirit. Simple truth. Victory over the flesh comes as you walk in the Spirit. Most of us think, oh, I've got to get this cleaned up before I start going to church. If I start going to church, I'm not going to be one of those hypocrites. Hello, just come join us. We can stand one more. <laughs> you won't hurt a thing, I promise you. But you can't get cleaned up before you walk in the Spirit. You just walk in the Spirit and then the cleansing comes. Oh, but hey, you've got to be right with God before. Hey, listen. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you can put it on the, on the screen, but Acts chapter 3 and verse, verses 12 through 16 tell a wonderful story, and I'll just quickly give it to you. Tell a wonderful story about Peter, James, and John, or rather make that Peter and John, going to, going to prayer. Remember they go to the temple to pray? Remember that, Cheryl? They go to the temple to pray, and there's a lame man there. They said, silver and gold have I none, such as I have given you. And, and all of a sudden, there's this, there's, this, there's this news breaking out everywhere that something glorious has happened. So all the people rush together, and, and Peter stands there, and he says, men of Israel, why look ye on us as though we by our own power or holiness? I just love the fact that he threw that in. That we by our own power or holiness made this man whole. Did Peter by his holiness make that man whole? Of course not. Peter knew he wasn't holy enough to make someone whole. 
As holy as Peter was, as holy as the great apostle Peter, Saint Peter was, he was not holy enough to do that. And he said, why are you looking at us as though it was by our holiness? Don't you understand that men always look at how someone is performing to decide whether or not they're spiritual. But the Bible never says that your spirituality is based upon your performance. See how somebody said, thank you, Jesus. I got one honest Christian down here. (laughs) The Bible never says that your spirituality is based upon your performance. The Bible teaches us that your spirituality is based upon Jesus' performance. This is not paganism. It's always trying to work its way to God. Christianity is not different from other religions. It's opposite of the religions. We are all trying in in the human race, trying to get to God. Pardon me, I'm doing my best to be calm. (laughs) We're all trying to get to God. We're all trying to get to God. Oh, we're just all, we're all going to the same place. Trust me, we are going to the same place. We're all going to stand before that white throne judgment. Everyone goes to heaven. But not everybody gets to stay. have to be on the road he built to you and it's a road that does not require your performance it requires your belief it requires you believing in him man this flies in the face of every religious system in the world we're all trying to go i'm on the highway to heaven i'm not the Bible says, I have faith in Christ, so I'm seated with Him in heavenly places right now. I ain't trying to, pardon my ain't, but I am not trying to go. I believe I am seated with Him. My faith is not in my ability to perform. My faith is in His ability and the performance He performed. Glory be to God. What Jesus did. By the way, you going to heaven has virtually nothing to do with how you performed. You going to heaven is not, your, is not the way God's going to pay you. for. If you do good, little boys and girls, you get to go to heaven. What nonsense. What Islamic nonsense. It's just man-made pagan religion. If you, if you do well, you be good, be good little boy. Because then you get to go to heaven when you die. The Bible does not teach that. Oh, it did in the Old Testament. Y'all didn't forget Jesus died, did you? Y'all didn't forget that, did you? That the gospel really is all about Him and what He did and simple childlike faith in believing in Him. You going to heaven is not how God pays you for doing good. You going to heaven, hear me, you might want to write this down. You going to heaven is how the Father pays Jesus for what He did. Heaven's not your reward. You are Jesus' reward. You ought to high-five somebody and say, that's the best news I've heard all week right there now. Glory to God, that's the best news I've heard all week. It's about what Jesus did. Victory over the flesh comes, though, as you walk in the Spirit. You, you live there, you might as well walk there. Second thing you, know, you want to note is that freedom... Verse, eight, verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Freedom from legalism comes as you're led by the Spirit. Remember, we already said you don't have to clean up to walk in the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit, and that cleans you up. Well, I feel guilty. Well, join the club. We all feel guilty. You're lying if you say you don't ever feel guilty. There's a devil out there, and he masters guilt. I mean, he's got a degree in it. He knows how to make people feel guilty. People who are doing perfectly, honestly, great. He knows how to make them feel guilty. And if the devil isn't enough, then your grandma can. She can fill in the gaps. 
I don't know about grandma, maybe mama. Because I was babysitting one time, Ann and I were babysitting uh, Brandon Holler, our son who pastors in Austin. Uh, we were babysitting their children at their house. And when they only had two, Morgan and Coy McKinley, they went out on a little date and they came back and Brandon walks in. He's got this, he's got this severity, severity about him that's kind of frightening sometimes. We called him the frowner. He was, Mama was always sort of partial to the frowner. <laughs> well, how were they, Dad? I said, what are you talking about? He said, how were they? I said, Brandon, why would you even ask that? Your children are perfect. They never do anything wrong. He said, well, there's a reason for that. I said, and that would be? He said, you see, it's impossible to do anything wrong in a place where there are no rules. Oh, I guess so. Do you see what God did? Blessed is the man to whom he will not impute sin. Oh, this is lovely. And you just get out there, start walking in the Spirit. Just start believing that you're accepted out there in the Spirit because you've already been born there. You were born of the Spirit, born in the Spirit, born in your own Spirit, reborn. If you're a believer today, freedom from legalism comes as you are led by the Spirit. I won't go into that great works of the flesh list. But I do want you to notice down here the third thing. Authority in the Spirit comes because you live in the Spirit, not because you performed well. We already talked about authority. We talked about how you have victory and freedom. But you need more than victory and freedom. You need authority. You need to live and walk in your authority. That comes the same place. It comes by just living in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. But it's not about always about your own performance as in you did this and you did that and you didn't do that. It's just by walking in a way where God has access to you constantly. You walk in a way by faith that God has access to you. I love that when Peter said that. This guy's healed through the name of Jesus, not by our own power or holiness. Now, this is strange to me, and uh, you know, because I want everybody to live right. I want everybody to live right. And, and used to, I preached against sin a lot. Those of you who remember me when I pastored here, I, I preached against sin quite a bit, thinking that if I didn't preach against sin, people would just think they, I was giving them a license to sin. And I didn't realize they already had a license to sin. And most of them used it regularly. <laughs> the more I said, don't fumble the ball, the more they fumbled. And I found a wonderful scripture in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness. Oh, and worldly lust. We should live soberly and righteously before him in love. Wait, 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 wait. Are you kidding? Teaching people about grace makes them live right? I told you Christianity was opposite other religions. It's opposite. It's not one of the horses in the race. It's exactly opposite. Out there in the world, we say, I'm going to get you for that. God's going to get you for that. God's going to get you for that. Well, no. God already got Jesus for that. All that suffering he went through. Well, I'm moving along. 
He says those who do such things up there in that last verse, uh, uh, what verse is it? Verse uh, 21, of which I tell you before, uh, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now here, listen to me. He's not talking about whether or not you're going to heaven. The kingdom of God is not only about going to heaven. Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is righteousness. Imputed, of course. Righteousness only comes one way. In case you haven't received it yet, you need to hear me. Righteousness does not come a myriad of ways. It comes one way. Righteousness comes by faith, faith in Jesus Christ. One way righteousness comes. Not a bunch of ways, one way. Faith comes by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And faith comes one way by hearing the Word of God. Amen. So, uh, in all of our... Uh, Learning about walking in the Spirit, there has, to be, there has to be the idea that we have a certain responsibility, not only to God, but you have a certain responsibility to your own soul because you were created like earth. You were created out of earth, and therefore you were created to grow whatever seeds come into your life. See, this is about tending your own garden. This is, not try, this is not about trying to please God. Walking by faith pleases God. This is about tending your own garden and developing the fruit so that you can live a good and decent, peaceable, happy life. Anybody here too happy? No, you're not too happy. Everyone finds room for a little more happiness. We believe that our, we are all men are created equal and we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's sort of just one of the things that men desire, happiness, and, and we'll take more of it. No matter how much we have, we want more of it. But inheriting the kingdom is not only about going to heaven, because righteousness and peace and joy. Look at, look at what two other things are the kingdom things, fruit things. The peace is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. I'm interested in this kingdom business with, related, with, with, with respect to how it relates to the fruit. Revelation 1, 5, and 6 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God. Did you know that Jesus is not the king of all kings? He's not the king of all kings. The Bible never says he's the king of all kings. Never once does it ever even imply that he's the king of all kings. We sing it. We say it. We preach it. King of all kings. No, he's not. It only says twice in the book of Revelation that he's the king of kings. And that verse just told us what kings he is the king of. You. You got to stop seeing it like the kings of this earth are the really the guys in charge. Pardon me. God has put believers in charge. You, He made you to be kings, and He's the King of Kings. Come on, tell two people. Good morning, Your Majesty. Good morning, Your Majesty. Glory to God. <laughs> he's the King of Kings. He's the King of us. Who's in charge here? Authority flows from God to those that are in covenant with Him. Amen. Revelation 17, 14 says it like this. These shall, uh, these shall make war uh, with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For He is the Lord of lords and King of 
kings. Well, if he was the king of evil kings, who is this making war against him? You follow me? He says, and they that are with him, these kings, are called and chosen and faithful. He didn't say this was a condition for them to become kings. He said that's what they are. Condition for them to become kings is believing on him. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That long-suffering thing. I've just got to stop and pick that one out. By the way, there's one other, things I have to, one other thing I have to say. Faithful to the faith message, and I am. The only Christian virtue that is in both lists, the one that he preached last week and the one I'm talking about this week, gifts and fruit, the only Christian virtue in both lists is faith. Maybe that's because the Holy Spirit just can't leave it out of anything. Uh-huh. It's in both lists. Now, this thing of patience, long-suffering and patience, I'm just going to come right out and say it. It's the worst one of the bunch for my flesh. Everything else seems easy. I just despise. In my natural man, I despise long-suffering. Huh? I mean, I was raised in redneck Oklahoma. I ain't going to be long-suffering with you, buddy. I don't carry a gun for nothing. <laughs> you know, we're going we're to punch, and then we'll talk about it after a while. But, you know, that's just... I know lots of rednecks in Texas, too. I think y'all actually invented it. <laughs> Texas always gets it first, and Oklahoma says, Me too, me too. <laughs> but patience... Patience. On our wall at home, we have pictures of our grandparents, our parents, our children. We've got this huge wall. We don't have pictures of our family scattered everywhere. I'm, I'm married to an interior designer, and she likes clusters and vignettes. Pardon me. I, I can't watch HGTV without doing that. You know, I mean, it's just... It's just I used to be such a man. Anyway, we have... Any of you fellows with me here? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, God bless you. Thank you for not leaving me out here all by myself. Hey, pictures everywhere. I mean, on this one huge collage. That's another one of those sugar britches words. I mean, it's right, right everywhere. And I got this one photograph. It's a prison photograph. Of her great uncle. Yeah, he was in the pen. We're so proud of him. <laughs> no, we are. We're proud of him. We put his prison photo up that got his number and everything. Uncle Doug. Now, you probably don't put the jail, but don't act like you don't have them in your family. I know you do. You probably don't put their jail prison, their prison pictures up. But, but I, I, I did. We did. We put it up. You know what he was convicted of? He's convicted by the Nazis of being an American patriot. And that's the picture they took of him the day that he was captured in Nazi Germany, put in a concentration camp, something like it was prison camp, not exactly a concentration camp. He's been there for three years, and they nearly starved that boy to death. He looked pretty good going in. He looked like a skeleton with skin draped over him coming out. He barely made it out alive. I've thought often about him sitting in that prison. Day one, day two, day seven, week two, month nine, year two. 
goes on and on. And he's still sitting there. And the day before his rescue, he was as much a prisoner as he was on his first day to him. But what he didn't know was that great government that had sent him there knew he was there. And they were working a plan for his release. And one day he heard those planes. And when those planes came roaring over his camp, it wasn't too many hours later till American troops swarmed that place, rescued him, put him on a stretcher, and hauled him off to the hospital. In a few weeks, he was back in the good old U.S. of A. And he lived to be 90 years old or something. He'd walk around town with those photographs and said, This is a picture they took of me when them, when them dang Nazis put me in. Now, he was of German heritage, too, but he was an American. It's all right for you to enjoy your ethnicity, but don't forget that you're an American. Well, anyway, that went over like a lead balloon, but I still... <laughs> He's p passing these pictures out. Hey, uh, that's a, I made it out. I said, yeah, you did, Uncle Doug. He said, you know, I go over there to that golden corral, get my lunch. And he said, every day, I reach back in my wallet, and I try to pay him. And that manager says, Mr. T. Fertiller, you know your money's no good here. You just go get what you want. He said, John boy, why would they do that? I said, Uncle Doug, because if you hadn't done what you did, they wouldn't be able to have a business at all. We're all indebted to you. What was the key virtue that kept him? And he could have at any time ran for the fence and had them just shoot him down and gave up. Believer, don't give up just because it's been a long time. Heaven knows where you are. They're working a plan right now. You just got to be patient. Long-suffering. Just be patient. They're coming. Help is on the way. <clears throat> Help is on the way. Don't give up today. Don't quit today. Help is coming. They're winging their way right now for your rescue. My time is just about up. Probably already is up. But I have to say to you quickly. when you give your, your heart to walk in the Spirit, you're going to think, oh God, oh God, here I am. I know what I've done. I need to crucify the flesh. Listen, the Bible does not teach you to crucify the flesh. You can look it up yourself, but I'll save you some time. It's nowhere in the New Testament about you crucifying your flesh. In fact, the only thing about you crucifying something is in Hebrews 6, 6. And let me read it to you. Hebrews 6, 6 says, If they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, it is impossible, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. That's what you crucifying something does. I want you to live in Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Paul said it like this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. If you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Identify that Christ already died for you. Put your faith in Him and stop wrestling with whether or not you're good enough. Just walk by faith and you'll find yourself walking in the Spirit. But ladies and gentlemen,
and gentlemen, I must tell you, you do have a choice. You do have a choice. And there are quickly five things I want to say to you. Seed is required for fruit to grow. That just means that you need to stay in the Word and stay under the Word. Come on, you ought to tell somebody, stay in church. Mm -hmm. Secondly, fruit varies in kind and in size. So stop comparing yourself with others. A lemon doesn't talk to a grapefruit about one day, boy, I'll be big enough. No, they don't talk like that. <laughs> Number three, fruit carries the seed for reproduction. Start your own garden, your own orchard. Seed, the fruit that you grow has seed in it so that you can pass that around. You can be an example of what it's supposed to be like, and it's contagious, glory to God. The fourth thing is fruit is for nourishment. Share with everyone you know. Do you know that there are people starving for spirituality? There are people starving for God, and the only fruit that they might get to enjoy is the fruit that you have, that you can nourish their hearts so that they can come along in the things of God as well. And finally, fruit brings prosperity. So support the work of the kingdom with your gifts, talents, and your fruit. Would you bow your head with me just for a moment, please? Father, I thank you for these darling people. These who come here to hear the message today. I'm asking my Father in the name of Jesus that you'll stir their hearts, 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 you'll stir their hearts, that you'll stir their hearts, 